Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Welcome to Photo Op and our second to last episode of 2020. In this episode, we're going to talk about something that uh, we've gotten a lot of questions and a lot of uh, uh, input about remote shooting. We've seen a lot of this online and uh, we've heard a little bit about it and we've done a little bit of it. So we're going to talk about remote shooting. But first... We have a question from a listener, Joshua. He says, hey, guys, I was wondering if you have much experience with the Canon 70-200 lineup. He goes on to ask a few different questions about how, what we would use it for, what the sweet spot is, should we should he buy the 4 instead of the 2.8, um, and uh, if it's good for uh, his uses in portraiture and landscapes. Um, so thank you, first of all, Joshua, for listening and for sending in uh, the question. And... Uh, Take it away, Ben. What do you think about the 70 to 200 lineup from Canon? Yeah, so he is, it sounds like from his question, he does not yet have a 70 to 200, mm-hmm. and he needs something for his Canon bodied yep. camera. Looking to so buy. We're going we're gonna to start there. So just because it's Canon body doesn't mean it has to be Canon branded. So um, I personally do not own a Canon 70-200. The reason is because they are expensive. So I actually own a Sigma 70-200. Here is the upside. It is about half the price. Um, The image quality is pretty good roughly the same um it's definitely taken some beatings and maybe it's a little bit softer now than it it was when i first bought it so that's something to keep in mind but uh it's the downside is that it is a heavy honking beast it is literally about twice the physical weight so if uh the strain of holding that for long periods of time especially when i do it for like a 14 hour wedding that gets heavy so um, what I would say is if you are a freelancer, you have heard of the triangle, ch- uh, cheap, fast, and high quality, choose two. You can't have all three, right? So what I would say is that my advice for your lens, we're going to train change up the trinity here, but choose two, and that's kind of my advice for you. So between when you're looking at quality, pretty much all these lenses have good enough quality until you have a $100,000 client and you start getting real nitpicky. Mm -hmm. You know, the quality for all these lenses is going to absolutely surpass your needs. So really what we're looking at is physical size and weight because that can be a factor, uh, price and low light performance. So if uh, the two things that you need are low light performance and good price, then I would actually go with something like the Sigma 7200. Yes, you are sacrificing that it is a heavy beast, but you get what you need at a good price. So that was what I went with. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a little more cash and weight is less important to you, I would absolutely go with the Canon 2.8 over the 4. Um, Even if you don't shoot it at 2.8, you stop every lens is a little bit shorter sharper when it stops down about a stop or two. Mm -hmm. So um, 
by getting a 2.8 lens and stopping down to 4, you're going to have much cleaner and sharper images than you are getting a 4 lens that is completely stopped open. That said, the 2 is again much heavier. So if you need a cheaper lens and a lighter lens, that Canon F4, it is small, it is light, it gets the job done. If you shoot a lot of weddings and you're in dark chapels, F4 ain't going to cut it. So, you know, it really all depends um, for general portraiture um you know any of these are going to be good enough and also i don't even shoot with the 7200 that much for portraiture i usually use uh, my 85 because i don't have enough space or room generally mm -hmm. speaking to back up to use a 200 millimeter lens and plus th then i can shoot it like 1.8 so yep, yep. That's kind of, I think, everything I would consider. Um, I personally don't use that lens lineup because of what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that answered your question. Stuart, anything to add? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, he, he does mention that he has a 24 to 70 already and um, that uh, he would be using this portraiture to landscapes. If it really leans portraiture, consider uh, ignoring the 7200 and going for an 85. Um, that is your portrait lens pretty much um the 7200 is absolutely my workhorse when i do like event photography and yeah, weddings yeah, for sure, for i sure. have that on my camera you know eight at eight out of ten hours mm -hmm. um so it's definitely worth having um but yeah it really just depends on like how much you're willing to spend and what's the other thing that's most important to you yeah he also asks um, if the first version, because um, there are a couple versions of the IS-28, uh, mm -hmm. um, if that is still good for professional use. Um, it was good for professional use when it first came out. It is still good for professional use now. Um, if you get it for some scream and deal, like if somebody um, recently upgraded to another version and you can get that for a song, uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, then you've got a Canon 2.8. It's just I mean, the first that's, version. That's how I buy camera gear. So yeah. if you can find an original Canon 5D and all you're doing is portraiture awesome cool you just you just got a pro level camera for just a couple hundred dollars versus thousands of dollars mm -hmm. so congratulations yeah. so i actually tend to buy the camera that is the second to next generation so not the one that just came out the one that has a huge price drop because something else just replaced it exactly. so it is still good most of the time it is using a lot of the same hardware or sensor or firmware or whatever mm -hmm. um so yeah you're gonna get a good bang for your buck you're gonna get something that has lasted a long time i think my first canon 5d mark 3 is 10 years old and my second one is i think four or five years old and then i just bought a 5ds which i actually used when i went to iceland how long ago was that six years seven years something uh, like that sounds about right yeah yeah six, seven years uh, so I used the 5DS back then, and I was happy with it then. It was just expensive and very limited use, and I didn't want to. But uh, it just dropped on sale because it's getting replaced or discontinued or whatever. I'm like, sweet, I just snagged it for a killer deal. And now I have a massive, huge megapixel monster at my disposal. So, uh, yeah, if price is important to you, older first version IS, you know, it, it's fine. It's yeah. good. It'll get the job done. For sure. Thanks, Joshua, for your question, and uh, thank you for listening as well. All right, so today's episode, we are talking remote shooting. This is a big one right now with, uh, with COVID, COVID going yeah. on. Uh, remote shooting is a big topic. Um, 
So, so yeah, we're going to talk about it today. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about it today. I'll, I'll kind of start by explaining what this is because I've heard this a mm-hmm. lot. And at first, I didn't even quite understand the subject. That mm-hmm. is when, uh, Stuart, you and I are going to have a photo shoot, except you're at your house and I'm at my house. So you're going to be the model. I'm going to be the photographer. Let's do this photo shoot. And it took me a while to kind of wrap my brain around. Like, I, I don't understand how... How does this work? Genuinely, I am curious. Um, and so we actually I, – I put this out there, and not only did have I gotten questions about it, but I even put this out into a couple of photographer groups to see what all of you other photographers think about it. Um, yes. And definitely some mixed responses. So one of the things that I am personally kind of struggling with trying to understand is what is the difference between remote shooting and – and uh, taking a selfie with an art director. That that's it seems that's uh, kind of seems very similar. <laughs> the answer. <laughs> What's so the this, difference between this... remote shooting and screenshotting a Skype call? <laughs> so that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're not. Yep. Um, I actually found a really good article that um, we're not going to bother going into because we would be taking credit. But mm-hmm. um, there will be a link down in the description. There's another photographer that explains all of the apps that he uses so that when you're using your phone um you can take um you can be doing facetime or skype or whatever it is but you can uh, remote shutter the camera uh using um the high original resolution of your camera so you're not just screenshotting you're actually doing the you know 15 megapixel picture or whatever it is um remotely um, and there's free apps, but there's one for Android and one for iPhone, and he details the process of that. So we're just going to link that. So mm-hmm. if you want the technicals how-to of remote shooting, we're, we're kind of going to get into that. But if you just want bit. quick and easy, he has a great tutorial that we're just going to give them props for. Um, but yeah, uh, you have a lot. I have not even tried remote shooting yet. And besides kind of trying to understand what it is and why you would do it. And um, we can get back to some of the responses that we gathered online as well. Um, I know you have some experience with it. I do have some experience with remote shooting. Um, I've done some remote shooting of a few different varieties. Um, I do tend to trend toward video in a lot of my professional work. So a lot of my remote shooting is video centric. Um, That being said, I have done both uh, video and stills. And really the process is essentially the same for both of them. It's just how long you're uh, recording, whether it's instantaneous or (laughs) drawn out a little bit more. So yes, I have done, uh, I've done a bit of it, uh, especially recently. So yeah, uh, kind kind of walk (laughs) us through, let's, let's break it up into a couple different stages of Mm -hmm. um, what are the uh, pregame, so to speak, things that are different from a normal photo shoot? Mm -hmm. What are the actual shoot things that are different? Um, and then what are, what it's kind of that workflow look like and, uh, your pros, cons and your, what your experience has been with remote shooting. And then we'll, uh, go to the audience, so to speak. Sure. So the pregame is, uh, very similar to, um, 
to your in-person shooting. I would say it's essentially identical other than the fact that you're saying with uh, you're, you're, you're talking with your client and you're like, do we really have to do this now? Could we please, please make it possible to do this in person? And then the answer eventually becomes no through a variety of reasons and you have to shoot remotely. And so you're eventually trapped into a corner. So that's the pregame is being trapped <laughs> into a corner. Um, well, I, in addition, I, well, there's, there's one more, there's one more thing that I think kind of in goes into it. Yeah. So as, as a photographer, um, what I bring to the table besides just my skill and experience is I'm bringing the high quality camera. I'm bringing yeah, yeah, the lighting. Sure. I am going to have, you know, a backdrop or mm-hmm. a location if I have a studio yeah. versus as a client, I am expecting the photographer to handle all those things because I don't know any of those things. Mm-hmm. But now the client has to do the camera and the lights and the set. So how do you kind of walk them through yeah, that? A hundred percent. I was being a little bit flippant there. Um, <laughs> you do. Uh, it, it is very tricky. So the, obvious big problem with not being there is you don't get the whole lay of the landscape so to speak you don't get ultimate creative control over everything in their environment um i mean you try to but you don't um and non-photographers have a different lens of on the world so to speak than you do so it is difficult to articulate a lot of how your needs um are are very specific, but in a way that is understandable to non uh, photographer clients. Um, so how that, how that works for me is generally uh, like, what, are, what are our constraints? Like, like will, will, are they willing to travel to go somewhere? Are they willing to um, bring equipment? Uh, like how important is the shoot uh, to them? What, what are we looking for? What do we need? Is it just simple headshots? Is it a video project where we're talking about something? Does the environment matter? Like that's another thing is you might have to just, um, if you don't have the control that you need and the client is unable to give it, uh, then you might have to just accept whatever they have available and the environment needs to not matter to your end product. Um, so there are a lot of uh, environmental issues that we have to go over. One of the biggest ones, of course, for video or photos is lighting. Um, a lot of people are in really poorly lit environments for any good uh, photographic or videographic work, um, and that is Most one that I... Most non-photographers do not they think don't care. about lighting. <laughs> so I will even say, um, I just moved, and the reason why that you're looking at a blank void is because it ain't ready yet. Mm-hmm. But um, in my last place, there in the living room, there was like one incandescent light bulb, and whenever I tried to pull out my camera, my camera would be at like f2.8 and it would be like dragging the shutter and i'd be at iso like 10,000 mm-hmm. to get a proper exposure there was it was a black hole i do not understand how dark it was in there even though to my eye it looked fine yep. i could read i could hang out well you know we could sit on the couch together and eat pizza remember that yeah remember those <laughs> remember days socializing uh, I digress, but, but no. But the actual technical limitations of the lighting in there were so incredibly correct. severe. But to you, you're like, okay, there's light, it's fine. Yeah. So there are things like that 
that uh, non-photographers just don't think about. So I I usually ask people like what light fixtures are in the space or <laughs> windows that, or windows. That's what that's what um what gets a better response is like. Do you have a like one that I did recently? Um, he had a window in that room, but he also had lights in the room. So I that was my initial question is do you have a window in the room do you have lights and he said yeah i have this these two lamps i've got this lamp behind me uh or actually it's a standing light it doesn't really matter i have this window and i was like great well can we shoot with you facing the window is that going to be too bright um on your face to do this it was a video shoot to do this video shoot and he said no that's perfect i i don't mind that at all i like looking out out the window there so um in that case it was really nice that he had a window available um i also had him position uh the lamps so that they weren't as harsh on his face um and that's a thing that again it depends on the space it depends on how um able the client is to move it yeah what color are the walls Without getting um, like a, a bad color spill. Exactly. Um, so that's why I had him move some yeah. stuff is I didn't want uh, like the lights were very harsh and direct on him. I wanted them bouncing off of the light uh, off of the walls more because the walls were just a neutral white color. Um, so that worked out really well. And the color temperature of the lights is also something that you have to take into consideration because that might be a different color temperature than what you're getting from the window. And that creates a whole host of issues. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, if, it depends. For people oh, that are watching this on YouTube, yeah. Stuart and I right now have different color temperatures on our video. Yep. Frankly, it annoys me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I have a new light that is going to solve that problem. We're it gonna, is on order. Yeah, we're, we're waiting. Make it we're waiting. <laughs> um, but no, that that is the thing because if it's yeah. too warm, then it looks kind of dingy Mm -hmm. if it's too orange um you look like you know some monster if it's too blue then you look like you've been an extra on the sopranos that have been hanging on a meat hook a little too long (laughs) exactly Uh, i i tell people on a scale of uh smurf to oompa loompa i want you to look human (laughs) yep (laughs) exactly yeah so that's that's a tricky one too and a lot of people don't i i will say like with leds proliferating like good quality leds more people know about balanced yeah yeah more and more people know about it it's a it's on a lot of the packaging now you just go into a hardware store and you look at at light bulbs you can see you know different color temperatures just big and on the box and although not everybody pays close attention to that it's more it's i was pleasantly surprised more people are understanding it than before so that's Bought so shop lights for when I bought shop lights for the studio, they weren't even labeled white and soft white. They were mm-hmm. labeled five thousand Kelvin, six thousand Kelvin. Yep, exactly, so. exactly. So that's getting better, thankfully, with that. Um, so lighting is by far the biggest one uh, for me. Uh, in this case, I was in. In this case, the lighting was especially uh, an issue because that was like the whole thing. Um, he had some of his own equipment um, that I was able to uh, I was able to utilize, you know, remotely. I didn't have to send him too much. Um, that being said, there are other uh, clients where you have to send equipment to them um, because they just don't have what's necessary. Like you, it's it's so bad that you can't even just make it work. You have to send them something, and that's actually something that really in my professional life i'm working with a team on to try to figure out how do we shoot remotely <laughs> what is how the we... best way to <laughs> yeah. set up this care package exactly how do we build a care package that a an average person off the street could open up the box and set it up 
close enough that it could be uh, taken over uh, remotely by somebody more knowledgeable and utilized appropriately. So this is something that I'm thinking a lot of a lot about now, and it is an extremely difficult problem. And ultimately, it's still very limiting. So that's the other thing that you need to think of is uh, if you are need to do a remote shoot and it has very specific equipment concerns and you want to send them stuff, there's all the logistical issues of sending things um, that uh, to them that, you know, making sure they don't break and, you know, everything works out and gets there okay. But also their ability to set it up. Like, people are not going to understand all the different batteries, all of the different cables, where to place things. I even remember, yeah, yeah. I was watching John Oliver, and Mm -hmm. he even mentions on one of his episodes, he gives a shout-out to his team behind him, how they, uh, he's like, yeah, they sent me all this stuff. I don't know what any of it does. I just know if the red light's on, that's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm working with this very poor tech person who's just, I'm so sorry for you that you have to deal with my idiocy because I don't know anything. He's like, yeah, the XLR cable. I'm like, you mean the metal thing with the prongs? No, Mm. no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, and he's somebody that stands in front of a camera professionally and he doesn't know this. So uh, expecting random people to know it is, uh, not uh, a ticket to success, unfortunately. Um, so we are trying to figure this out. I wish I had a, a, a silver bullet a solution for you that I could say, do these things and people will understand how to set it up. But unfortunately, I don't have a good solution yet other than simplify, simplify, simplify. Like it, it, you need to, you as the professional need to uh, take on more potentially more work or make things a little bit more difficult on yourself to make it easier on the client because it's it's the it's a choice between does the shoot happen at all or do i sacrifice some aspect of it that ultimately Mm -hmm. can be abandoned for the shoot actually happening um so that's what it always is in my experience is is sacrificing and simplifying just so that it can actually happen. Um, so that's a lot of the prep work is is thinking through those things, thinking through what you can get rid of, get rid of every possible aspect you can, um, and and stick to lighting and a lot of, you know the really core um, photographic principles um, to get that actually happening and and walk through walk the client through it. Um, you know, don't speak as a photographer, speak as like, you know, put that lamp over there, like a, a you know, a yeah. foot to a foot closer to the wall, you know, speak in those kind of um, those uh, like interior design kind of ways instead of photographic ways, because people are not going to get it. I, um, not at I all. I think you also hit on something right there about simplifying down mm-hmm. um, of that will just also make life easier. So oh, yeah. uh, I just shot my very first shoot in the new studio space. Huzzah! It was a Christmas card uh, for somebody. And they were having these space age astronaut looking helmets. And so what I needed is I needed a very flat, even light per the kind of art direction that we were going with. But I needed a flat, even light that didn't leave a bunch of glare on their helmet so you can still see their face. Well, trying to do this was turning into a nightmare. And I basically came up with a six light setup that was very awkward and convoluted. And we were almost there. And then all of a sudden it hit me. My studio is technically a garage. I opened the garage door. Problem solved. <laughs> All of the light just came, was indirect, 
sunlight yep. bouncing off the concrete outside and the new f- white floor inside up into their face. And it just left this nice, pleasing light without any of the hard reflections that all of my lights and modifiers were doing. I'm like, oh, right. Simple. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes. Look for windows. Look for out- uh, exterior light. Like uh, anything you can utilize there is almost certainly going to be simpler <laughs> and an improvement over whatever they currently had. Um, so, yeah. Open so the som- <laughs> sometimes what I actually like doing, um, uh, like when I'm shooting a w- uh, wedding and I'm in a hotel room mm-hmm. doing um, like bridal prep, that type of thing, I put them next to the window. I will have them face the window if I want that soft, even front lighting. And then because I don't like the color temperature in the rest of the room, I'll go and turn the lights off. Mm. So be- that could be a counterintuitive thing. And people will be like, oh, you want more light? I'm like, no, I don't want more light. I have enough. I mm. want quality light. Yep. Yep. Um, and those lights are wrong for the thing I'm trying to do. So, yep. th- yes, uh, another part of that is, yes, you can try and turn on all the lamps, but also try and be selective about it. Turn things off if they are making your life harder. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's, to me, that's a lot of the prep work is, is working through those kind of details and thinking through them because I guarantee you're going to get to the day of, you're going to start the shoot and things are going to go awry. So the more you can simplify and the more you can throw away and it'd be, and it'd be fine, um, the easier it's going to be on you and on the client. Um, as far as the actual shoot, I actually haven't had too many issues when we've gotten to that point maybe because i've just been really obsessive about setup and and talking the client through the process but i haven't had too many issues um day of uh big thing of course internet connectivity between you and the client mm-hmm. uh that is the obvious one i mean if that fails it's done so you, you need to reschedule or you need to hope it comes back quickly um so i would encourage you can't necessarily make the client be as perfect with their internet connection as possible um but i often ask them like if there's anybody else in the household um like if they can refrain from streaming or doing any you know downloading games or you know doing anything high bandwidth is is helpful if they are okay um with making that request of anybody else in their household uh Another thing is uh, if they can be like if they if they only have a wireless connection, if they can be closer to their router, again, assuming that it fits with the lighting and all that, um, that works really well. If they can be hardlined in through Ethernet, perfect. Then that's a lot less likely to have any issues. And you as the person shooting remotely, if you can be can follow all of those things as well. Um, that's going to just reduce the amount of, of uh, things that can go wrong. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the name of the game for any remote shooting is reduce the things that can go wrong <laughs> so that you can get through it at the end of the day. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to one of the audience comments here. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the two best comments, and we'll do the second one closer to the end here mm-hmm. was story time. I had a remote shoot with a paid model. This is a professional model that he paid for, their time her computer crashed four times in the first 30 minutes you have to wait for it to reboot you have to wait for it to go back online start your tethering program i paid for two hours of shooting the model had a costco 1980 laptop from craigslist (laughs) with four gigs of ram and half of the time her computer was down and it could not run the tethering program Mm -hmm. um i was having issues running the camera saving raw files and being connected to the internet at the same client time i'm glad i did it and had fun 
would not do again. <laughs> yep, yep. That you you cannot assume that the equipment on the other side is going to be up to the task. <laughs> that that it, my heart goes out to you, man. I'm sorry that happened to you, uh, Ron. But that that's funny. <laughs> yep, yep. Good stuff. Yeah. So so yeah. You need to. I w- I was lucky in this particular one that I'm talking about, and that it, he had decent uh a decent setup um and i didn't have uh internet uh connectivity issues and everything went relatively smooth day of and he he had actually thought about this a lot himself which was i i hope was also self-directed but um i'm sure it helped that i uh spoke with him about it ahead of time and and walked him through the process and kind of got him in that headspace of thinking about um all the different aspects so so day of um is really about again what else, if anything goes wrong, what else can you give up and still make the shoot happen? Um, how can you reduce any potential issues? Um, and just being, you know, any of the normal things that you do on a regular in-person shoot, you know, be the professional, um, be the easy easy to work with um, person uh, and make it as simple for the client and as, as smooth for the client as it can be because um it's definitely awkward for you it is even more awkward for them um so if you can just be super friendly and helpful and understanding um that is that is ultimately the best way to go i mean they're they are not going to understand this like you are so you need to be understanding and and help them through it yeah so my initial joke about what's the difference between remote shooting and taking a selfie with art director I kind of think that's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems to be kind of the role. And I think if you put yourself kind of more in the mindset of mm-hmm. art director versus photographer when you're going into the shoot, mm-hmm. um, art directors have a very different role. It is the photographer's job to be super technical and super proficient and mm-hmm. make everything happen. It is the art director's job to be like, hmm, something needs to change. Yeah. Yep. What needs to change? Yep. And then, like, do I like it? Just yes or no. Do I like it? Yep. Yes, I do. No, I don't. And you no, have... I don't. Let's keep shooting. Yes, I do. Cool. And you have such such a literally a limited window on the scene. I'm one of the great things about photography is I, I think uh, a lot a lot of the flexibility that you can get. I mean, not in all photography, but in a lot of photography, you see the lay of the land, right? You're not only looking through your camera; mm-hmm. you're looking through your eyes, seeing everything that's out there, all the different angles and possibilities, all the different lighting. Um, all you're seeing in a remote shoot is what they give you. And that's true. You have that one perspective, that one very flat perspective, and that's it. So you don't get your your world is as a photographer in that situation is so narrow. Um, and that's just in, incredibly constraining, in my opinion. It's an incredibly difficult to work. Um, you know, it's a creative field. It's it's hard to work creatively when you're limited to one view, <laughs> literally. True. Um, so that, that's another thing, um, that I have continually struggled with during shoots. Like when the shoot actually is happening is being so, so limited by that, uh, by that perspective. Um, so that's what I would, the things that I would keep in mind day of, 
Um, afterward, uh, you're not going to get the results that you really want. <laughs> we, I mean, you always hope that everything turns out perfectly, just like as if you were there in person. Um, but you are going to be disappointed. And uh, the name of the game, as with every other stage of this process, is make the best of it. <laughs> Do what I you have can not what you have. once. So, so I'm in a group where is a bunch of people just po- who post constantly. Mm-hmm. If something got posted yesterday. Ah, too late. You will never find it. <laughs> it is a barrage of photos. And I've seen so many remote shoots. Not a single one has impressed me. And that's to say when, mm-hmm. normally speaking, uh, there are photos in here where some of the photos are, eh, and some of the photos are like, wow, this guy's really good. Wow, this mm-hmm. this this girl really knows how to use a camera. Um, but all these remote shoots, I'm just, eh, eh. I'm not impressed. Eh, mm-hmm. eh. So so how do you how do you kind of get around eh. uh to be brutally honest you don't um it, it's 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 probably going to be disappointing at the end of the day um what you need to do i think uh, as as pessimistic as the sounds is make make it as good as you possibly can and and fulfill the client's needs right i don't want to be the guy that just fulfills the client's needs i want to exceed always um i I mean both for uh, just as a professional but also for my own uh, edification that i I just want to be better and better and better and be the be the person that just blows the socks off of of any client and for Um, context you are extra you set up an insanely huge (laughs) server just so i can watch your blu-rays like (laughs) (laughs) well yeah, I, I, I do. I, I go like overboard with this and I should be the person that can just like uh, with all of the, the servers and, and hardware and stuff that I have, I should be the person that just should be able to waltz into remote shooting and just blow it out of the water. But I, I, I it's it's such a bad situation. You're, it's so creatively. Limiting. Yeah, your job you right can't. now <laughs> is working with a team of people to make this happen. Yes, and you're still working. On and I'm it, still so. struggling. Yeah, it's just not there are not good, good solutions um, for this. So I think at the end of the day, uh, you need to take solace in the fact that you delivered and you met that client's needs. Um, is it going to just be this amazing creative work? Almost certainly not. If you did, uh, please let me know because I would love to <laughs> to hear your secrets. Um, but uh, it's probably just going to meet the needs and not really exceed. And uh, that is okay. Like we are in a pandemic. If you meet n- the needs of a photo or video assignment remotely, then, I mean, that is worth celebrating. And I think that's what you need to take from an experience like this, even if you're kind of a little bit bummed at the results is, but look at the results that you did get under incredible duress, basically, right? Like you made this happen despite all of these potential issues. This actually was a thing and a creative result happened that met the needs of the client. That is worth celebrating. I was about to be sarcastic and say, today's message of hope, lower your expectations. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I think you're absolutely right. Is is, uh, celebrate the fact that you did something rather than nothing. So... There's there's something to be said for that. Good is the enemy of 
or was it no perfect is the enemy of good yep or perfect is the enemy of done is another way of saying oh, that that's the real true one <laughs> yeah so the fact that you did something yep. rather than nothing should be yeah. celebrated uh kind of to end it on this high note here um we'll we'll go with the other favorite uh comments that i got uh so this is nina nina said photogs uh bring new poses ideas and how to use the space in a new way that the client never thought of of course editing as for what is enjoyable about it connecting with someone that you would normally not be able to shoot with due to distance space or uh the being able to use props and working through new challenges together it is a bonding experience so remote shooting can be fulfilling but you need to go into it with very different expectations that you might go into any other shoot with and did you have any kind of final tips for people who still think remote shooting is a great idea and want to give it a try um i don't have uh, too many final tips other than just like you know respect <laughs> good on you for attempting this uh you know i hope everything goes well for you um my tip is really uh, try to avoid remote shooting. I, I'm, I'm trying to be positive, <laughs> but also as a really... person whose job is remote shooting. <laughs> yes. Don't do this it. This is a substantial portion of my job right now. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to make it better, but there are, are no, uh, no real golden solutions, unfortunately. So try not to do it. If you need to do it, uh, if you have to do it, um, then really make the best of it. And if you get through it at the end of the day, as we've said, you have done something, you have made a, a result, you have you have fulfilled your client's needs, and that, uh, seriously, no sarcasm, is worth uh, celebrating. So uh, good luck to all of you remote shooters out there, and hopefully we can get back to some careful in-person shooting uh, someday soon. <laughs> Sometime soon. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I think that is a great way to cap off this week's episode. Again, please check out the description. We are going to have a link to a very useful article where it has all the apps that you need to use if you're shooting either iPhone or Android uh, to be able to do remote shooting in the best way while still having high quality photos rather than just screen capping your uh, FaceTime chat or Zoom call. So thank you guys so much. Uh, please shoot us your photos from your remote shoot let us know how it went for you we would love to hear it and we all will kind of share some of the fun stories and we have one more episode yes, uh, coming to you next week we're going to do a fun little recap of this year's worth of podcasting that we've been doing it has been um yeah. a long time coming and then we'll just kind of go into the holidays with a little little uh holiday spirit and we will see you all in the new year uh one last time if you have any comments questions or ideas to for us to uh, start doing come January, email us hello at photo op.show. Uh, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non creative, as in om nom nom. Share this with a friend, and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold or downloaded because it's free.